Welcome to the Quality of Mind Transforming Business Podcast, where we explore the game-changing understanding that can unlock new levels of performance and well-being in the workplace. If you want to be part of the new breed of leaders in business, if you're fed up with the conventional echo chamber, and if you want to be part of a revolution in human potential, then join us to discover the powerful resource that lives before our psychology Hello and welcome to the Quality of Mind Transforming Business podcast series. And today's episode, I've got a conversation lined up with a a becoming regular on the show, Claire Diamond. And she's done a couple of great episodes with us already, which I'll put in the show notes. But Claire, uh, welcome. Hello. Uh, How are you today? Hi, Piers. I'm really well, thank you. I am so happy to be having this conversation with you. Well, that makes two of us. So that's great. Um, Claire, for people who might be new or haven't checked out your other episodes, can you just give us a uh, 30 seconds or a minute intro into um, who you are and how come you do this kind of work? Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Um, well, yes, I mean, I'm, I'm a mum of two. I, I used to work in um, corporate marketing, global marketing, um, and I've always alongside of all of that was really fascinated by the mind and behavior and experience of life and mood and emotion and and so it's it's turned into really like a sort of completely full-time preoccupation probably occupation um of yeah writing and running courses and doing podcasts all, all of it looking at different areas of life, like relationships or health, mental health, career, money, business, all of it, and how how that relates to what's true, how it relates to really what is going on in the in the human experience and what is believed that actually can't possibly be true, and when it's believed creates so much confusion and exhaustion and conflict and yeah and 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 illness really so so i think fundamentally this is what we're talking about here it applies to everything and it's it's the sort of essence of of human health and sanity so i love it and i'm i'm so happy and i i love these conversations with you because you're as obsessed as i am <laughs> i would say absolutely true i mean once you start to see this stuff it's very hard not to be in my mind and and actually thank you for that claire what we're going to try and do today listeners is talk about a subject which at one level is quite um one could argue nuanced uh, even sophisticated about the nature of what we are and how the human experience turns up but we want to try and do this in a way that is also very relatable accessible and doesn't need you to be a assessed as uh, as claire and i are or have <laughs> lots of years experience in this so we're going to try and do that yeah. tricky thing of getting the balance of showing the purity and profundity and the nuance of it as well as making this be something accessible that you can go oh yes i see that now the bit that I really wanted to talk to Claire about, because I think she's so good at talking about this um, from her books and her podcasts, which she is prolific at, by the way, listeners, if you mm-hmm. haven't checked them out already, is this apparently 
what might be conflicting idea of us not having free will, not having doership, and us also having um, an accountability and being custodians of what turns up in our worlds of thought, perception and sensation. So we're going to try and do this at the two, the two levels. I'm going to hand it over to Claire in a, in a minute to talk about the distinction. But just to say to people that if you are brand, brand new to this podcast, you probably won't have heard us talk about the idea that as a self, we don't have free will. Now, regular listeners, you'll, there's other episodes we've talked about free will, and we say, actually, there isn't a free will because everything that turns up for us in thought and perception and sensation is in appearance, and there's no separate me that, that puts those thoughts in there, and there's no separate me that chooses those thoughts. There's the appearance of choice, there's appearance of thinking, there's appearance of doing, but actually it's all coming through the system, and therefore we say there's no free will. Now, you might hear there's no free will and go, oh, my gosh, that means... Is it all fate uh, or do I have not to take responsibility uh, because it all just turns out? What's the point of me? Blah, blah, blah. And that's where we want to get into a little bit more today with this distinction. Now, I've probably already confused and complicated it um, in the last minute, but let's see if we can try and make this <laughs> accessible as well as nuanced and transformative for people. So, Claire, over to you to say your opening gambit about this and then we'll dig into it a bit more. Yes, thank you, Piers. It's it's the ultimate question. This and and it's um it's at the heart of everything, every aspect of our lives, every way society is organised, and it all spins around what the um, concept of the I is. And this and this is why it's so hard. It, it's what it's why the 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 human mind really struggles to get to grips with this because when the I, when you know we're talking, I'm I'm going to go to the shops. I'm going to go to work. What does that I contain? You know, it's one it's one letter, one capital letter, and yet in it is every single assumption and belief and presupposition of of what of what that really is what is it what is that i and at the core of all of our eyes really we could say are, are is two things perhaps which are really intertwined the first is that that i is separate and distinct, it, it exists as an objective, um, separate entity. So there's within this Claire body, there is a, a separate Claire I that's separate from other people. It, it exists in an objectively separate reality. And that I is in control. That I is the thing that makes the decisions, that makes the choices, that orchestrates the behavior, that is saying these words now, that is doing the listening. And as long as that's the unquestioned existence of me, a conversation about free will looks impossible because if 
any suggestion that there's no free will says there's no I, because this I is just taken as the chooser, the doer. But, and, and therefore it would mean there's no existence. I don't exist, but the deep knowing is I do exist. There's existence happening, there's experience happening. And so if someone says there's no free will, this, this mind that un, is unquestioned with this I says, there must be because I exist. But what we're looking at is that existence isn't the same as the chooser-doer. We're saying, yes, absolutely, there's existence, and that really, that's all there is. And there's this existence is happening within a body, and, and a human body-mind, and this human body-mind is, is, is powerfully wired with a, with a mind that creates concepts. And, 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 that's, and that's its superpower, is to create mental representations of things. Past, present, other people, you know, anything that's not here right now is a mental representation. And the most powerful mental representation of all is a concept of me, a, a, a concept of me that is held mentally but actually doesn't exist other than that. And so this is why we've got this conundrum, because that, that mentally held separate concept of me that contains all the beliefs, all the fears, all the insecurities, looks so true. That looks like the, it just looks like reality. But this conversation is saying that construct is is 100% illusion. It doesn't even exist anywhere. It has no, there's a phone here and a computer and a cup. That has an apparent reality, but that mental construct of what I am is is complete illusion. And right. yeah, let's try to stop there. Well, I just wanted to unpack because there's, there's loads in what you said and, you, and it's been beautifully articulated. Just to slow it down for people who may be a little newer to this. So, it would appear to us if we don't really inquire and we've been invisibly innocently conditioned to think this that when i choose what to have for breakfast like this morning i had an apple and a bit of a banana i chose that peers chose that and i chose to have mm. a banana and an apple right i chose that that was me and i would even mm. say i chose what to have for breakfast and yeah we've been told conventionally that that's my choice that the I in that is me, a separate body mind that starts with my brain and, and then it has a skin and a body and it perceives an external world. And that and, and we've been comfortable thinking that since anyone tells anything differently. And then if we go into if you go into direct experience, so forget anything we've been told and actually just have a look from real time, forgetting the past, forgetting the present, uh, the future, forgetting anything conceptual, just literally you're an alien dropped into, into this moment and you look at it, you can't actually find that separate peers or Claire that's choosing breakfast. They don't yes. really get the appearance of a thing that is peers that's then having the appearance of a thought saying, do you want a banana? And there's an appearance of peer going, I have a banana, thanks. That's all happening, but it's not separate to 
everything else. So we've got then, well, so I'm not really a separate chooser because it's just coming through the system. Yet there is existence. There is the unfolding of all of that all the time. So we've got this sense of being something that is involved in this at the most intimate level, which is the realness of existence, yet it's not down to me, me. It's not down to little me. So that There, that, that, there is no little me. There is no little me apart from the appearance of when my mind gets told it's a little me because when we were little, and this is always fascinating, isn't it? You know, when with our little kiddies, we would tell them things like, well, you shouldn't have done that. Yes. You chose to hit your sister. You shouldn't have done that. Or why didn't you choose to tidy your bedroom? Or So we're told, oh, you had, all, uh, you had a sense of agency. You had volition. As, as in it was your control. Now, just because we had the appearance of choice comes from programming at the meta level and the individuated level doesn't mean we have a separate ability to choose as a separate ability. So choice is yeah. coming through. Let's, let, I think maybe it would help to let it like, because because the, the use of the pronouns is because, because when we say we we don't have the ability to choose that there literally isn't a chooser is there and so so there there are there are body minds so there are bodies just as there are phones there are bodies yes and no one is denying the existence of that the the way they appear is entirely a function of the perceiver but it, that's not denying their existence so this cut, this phone say, there is a phone, but the whole way the phone appears is because of the way the way it's being perceived here or or over there by by you. The so there are these body minds. The big question is, is there a separate individual decider within them that that is the sort of is what the mind takes to be the I. And the answer is no, there isn't. So, and that's the, so that's the ego that says I'm separate, I'm doing this. And, and this conversation is saying it doesn't, it doesn't even happen. So yeah. choosing is happening at breakfast, say, apples and bananas are being chosen. Everything about that choice is happening from a programmed learned system that has no no capacity for independent choice separate from that yes and if people want to know that for themselves rather than just hear us then this is where we recommend direct inquiry check it out and any human being can check that out for themselves by going into any moment of experience taking away everything that's learned and, and conditioned and just seeing whether that's true for them or not. And, and our view would be that if you do that in, in the way that we're suggesting, we've got other podcasts and guides on this, you will find out exactly what Claire's just said. There, there is no separate chooser of the banana and the apple. 
it's just coming through. Now you could say, oh, well, it's coming through because in the past I chose to read a book about bananas being healthy for breakfast. Yes, but you didn't choose that either. So however far back you go, there's still no chooser. Even if you go, well, yes, but I had that choice appear in my mind because I made a choice a while ago to be healthy breakfast eater or whatever it is. <laughs> you didn't, never made that choice either. So there's never been it. However far back you go. And there's no you. There's no you not making the choice. There's no you not making the choice because the you that you think is making the choice is also just an appearance in, in thought. Yeah. So now... Then we get to our nub, don't we? Our, our bit that can throw people is, well, okay, if, if people are okay with that from the direct experience, they go, well, this sense of, I think you called it beautifully, this sense of existence that we have that's kind of intrinsic and intimate and consistent for us of my experience turning up, surely that means I'm the I, right? Well, how, how do those two fit together? I think is what you were starting to point to. Is that right? Yes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think so what so what I think is interesting what you're saying there is the the um you could use this term identified mind, which is which is really a, an experience of being <clears throat> which is everything that I think is true. Every, every everything I think about me is true. Everything I think about other people is true. Everything I think about the world is true. There's a real separate me here in a real separate objective world, and that's just reality. So that's an identified mind, a, a, a believing mind, a mind that isn't uh, largely because no one's ever suggested it. Um, has been there's no questioning in it, and. And so that identified mind believes it's the chooser. I'm like you're saying, I'm, I'm making this choice. And, and that contains so much blame and shame in it because it looks like there could have been another choice made. Um, and what we're considering is as that identified mind is questioned, there's a, a an exploration of reality that more and more reveals there's no idea how talking is happening now and listening is happening now literally the mind cannot fathom how that is happening and yet it thinks it's the one doing it um so as these things become more and more obvious the that identified mind loses its beliefs it 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 loses everything that's not true and settles back into what is true, which is existence, pure presence, witnessing, consciousness. And that that really is what enlightenment is, is everything about the separate idea of me that isn't true falls away. Can we just um, debunk a bit of language as we're going through here? So yeah. if, if I'm doing my um, <laughs> spiritual language bingo card, uh, <laughs> Uh, which I'm trying to, you know, de-fluff. De There's words like witnessing in there, enlightened and true, right? So I want to just try and make these words ordinary for people if possible, because they'll go, oh, witnessing, what's that mean? So let, let's just take, because what you said there was that once we start to see this, we, we just come back into the truth of existence and just witnessing. Now, what do we mean when we say that? Um, 
Can can you say what you think you mean by that, and then I'll say whether that fits with sure. what I was hearing in those words. So if you can try and explain that in a really kind of like six-year-old language. Yeah. So um, so at, at its most basic, it's it's really what we could consider is what the what the mind is is attention, and it it creates a it's like a sort of light that puts attention on things and that's all so witnessing is just the stage or the or the screen on which experience appears yes and i think to me a good distinction to spot in witnessing is it's very it might be you might think, well, I'm witnessing, but by when we're saying I in that respect, we mean me separate body mind peers mm. is witnessing. And that's not what you're pointing to with witnessing. No, that's right. So, it, yeah, that's it, a good it, distinction. Because no really, the, object in there. the witness, so the pure witnessing, really, which is, it's like, like a pure screen or an empty stage that is only possible as all the the um meaning and interpretation and um personalizing falls away so so if we consider this podcast um there's there's attention directed on on what from here on what Piers is saying the more the more empty that attention the more in reality the whole system is. But if that attention is distorted by, you know, insecurity, fear, what, what is, what's everyone going to think of me? What if I mess this up? What if I'm saying this wrong? If, or, or, or even like these are like rigid beliefs, the whole, that whole attention space is completely distorted by the personal, by the identified mind. So the identified mind is really actively creating stuff in that space that isn't there. It's it's a projection from everything that makes the ego up, which is the fears and shame yeah. and security. And what's fascinating, isn't it? So we have this the raw, neutral, just turning up of what is if i can use that phrase which is un this is a loaded word but uncontaminated by the self-identified mind and and that's when we're really present there's not even a separate subject object witness world yeah. it's just is just yeah. is that there's no me in the world and then and that's when we're in the most beautiful let's say flow state you could call it that to use a bit of language um things are just arising but there's no me arising to see them they're just turning all turning up and then and we don't spend much of our time there <laughs> um maybe one or two seconds if we're lucky and um, more if we start to see this direction hopefully and then happens is this self-identified mind projects into that world so it doesn't look like it's being projected into it right this, this is the cunning thing it does it doesn't go oh by the way i'm now going to put some of your self-identified stuff into reality it doesn't tell you that it mm. looks like it is the world yes right and it might turn up in, in someone else's behavior 
or it might turn up in an object or it might turn up in a perception. So it, it doesn't look like it's coming from our self-identified mind. It, it, there's no flag saying it, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. There sort of is in the feeling state, but we don't really notice that. Um, and then it looks like that, that's what it looks like the world is. Yes, brilliant. So yeah. that, that's the cunning trick, isn't it, of, of what we're talking about here. So when we fall back into that just pure presence and isness, I would say the, the witness is the widest sense of a witness. It's not even me witnessing. Um, mm. That's what more what you're saying about the pure, and that's what you call truth. Yes. And I, as you were saying that, it reminded me of a conversation we had in the podcast a while ago where we got into the word truth because uh, I have a particular way I use the phrase real and true and all this kind of stuff. So um, because uh, let, let's not go there now. People can listen to that one again. But I think what we're saying is that for people to distinguish between a, a, a moment of experience that is at its rawest, purest isness, not being uh, flavoured by the individuated conditioning and self-identified mind, which when it gets busy starts to give all that insecurity and suffering and all that kind of stuff because it's the resistance to the isness, right? Now, so if we can make that distinction, is that the first distinction? Well, a distinction we're asking people to make between those two? Well, I th like it's a sort of theoretical distinction yeah. because the... I would say it's brilliant how you described it, and the the mind can't make that distinction because the yeah it, the, that space that you've described is the absence of 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 any sort of personalized um, judgment. It's 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 really it's revealed by the ongoing dissolution of all all those aspects that that the, the identified mind thinks that have to happen in order for it to survive and succeed and be loved and and all the rest of it yes so i like what you said there it's a theoretical distinction because you you couldn't do that distinction in the moment it, it would be impossible because it's the it's my fridge door analogy does the, does the fridge light go off when you open the door you, you can't tell that right um but we can tell i think by well the way i know is is the contrast so as you say by the dissolution when it changes you can almost tell i mean you can't tell at the moment but you can the, tell the, the suffering in in any moment and that and that feeling of particularly that feeling of of contraction and of me and them and of a mind that is really ramped up and engaged in in survival really of 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 me versus this ex separately distinct external world that that suffering is the perfection of the design that says right now yeah. the the mind is um fighting its own projection it, so, it's, so it's, it's the rumble strip in the road isn't it and and that's yeah. the indicator as i call it that hey that's where i'm heading so that the that's the beauty of the design is that there's an, there's the sensational space that we're in gives us a clue 
Mm. Uh, and what's happened is we've all become so comfortably numb to think that's what life feels like that we don't question it. We think, well, life feels like that. That's not an indication of the yes. telling me I'm caught up. That's what life, that's what work, work feels like that. Parenting yeah. feels like that. Having yeah. no money, feels like that. loneliness feels like that. So we, we we're misinterpreting the signal. Now, let's get back to the, the nub of what we were trying to point to uh, in this one, which is, so we, we've set up this apparent paradox that everything's just arising. There's no separate chooser-doer. Mm-hmm. And the one is also a, a lovely illusion. Yet the very nature of our existence is the realness, I'll say, I use the word realness rather than trueness, the realness of being alive with choices and thoughts and perceptions and sensations happening. And that feels really innate to us and individuated to us. I'm not going to use the word separate. I'm going to use the word individuated. And what turns up for us, for me, say, in my moment-to-moment experience is the way I would look at it is that's mine in a way. (laughs) There's a traceability for why I see what I see and feel what I feel. Not that we're trying to analyze it and trace it in that way, but that's, that's mine. So it's showing me my individuatedness and it's at the, at the forefront of pure impersonal consciousness and individuated whirlpool me appearance of me right do what you want with what i just said there (laughs) yes yes so the there's there's with so so if we so if we say the only thing that is true has has to exist prior to to any form, really, because form is changing all the time, whether it's body, thought, belief, words, actions, all, and all of that is held in perception. But without form, without any, without a sensory body, there's no, there is no experience. There, there is no, um, there's nothing, is there? Without, without that, there's just intelligence or there's just life. There's just um, consciousness. Without, without a form in, to, for that to sort of localize or associate with, there's no experience. And so mm-hmm. any experience requires a form to, to happen. And that form we, we say us but you know again that really depends what the us is isn't it but that form that body mind in which consciousness or aliveness intelligence is associated is a is is um is very like very like programmed isn't it it's programmed genetically programmed environmentally and that's the that's the means through which all experience is happening 
And what we're considering, so this sort of nub that we're, we're like the sort of fundamental, um, seemingly paradox, but actual logic is that um, there's no there's no chooser or doer in that body mind is operating according to whatever the subconscious program is running and because it's through that body mind that the entire universe appears every everything happens within that sensory fear which is so so minute really in terms of the the availability of what what can be perceived it, it's tiny but that's that creates everything that that so that's the individuated perception and the what i think is really interesting is how through through that individuated perception the the body mind is is in is in a, a learning extravaganza really isn't it it's data all the time coming in continually upgrading that perceptual system so that it becomes more and more more able more capacity um more more present to reality and that that is what when i talk about accountability that's that's what i mean by that is that is this recognition there isn't an i choosing doing and the more obvious that is in fact and this is the irony the more the more there's just a system in reality learning and mm. And, and a recognition that the way everything appears through that system is is the creation of that system. Yeah. So let me play that back to you because I, I love the learning extravaganza that is the intelligence of the system. So this learning extravaganza is that everything that is turning up for us through our individuated experience is, as you said, data machine learning, if you want to put it in modern language, via our perceptual and, and, and sensory system, updating itself, often we would call that a realization when we, oh, wow, gosh, look what I've yeah. seen, look what I've seen. And it's an intelligence is just, you know, we'll chat GPT-5 when we're in that mode, right? And the paradox is that that works so much better when we see there's no me doing that. Brilliant. Yeah. I love how you say that. Right. So the irony mm. is, because you think I want my learning extravaganza machine to be on full force, I better be in charge of my learning extravaganza machine because that's what we've been taught. Well, if you want to learn, you need, if you want to be a great leader, you need to do that. Right. That's what we've been taught. Great. I want to be a great leader. I want to learn. Right. Now, all of our learning, our extravaganza, is happening <laughs> when we forget we're the I. Well, sorry, if I put that in more precise language, when we recognize what the I is and what it isn't, which is what we've been talking about earlier in the podcast. So to, to really maximize and enhance our experience of being alive and the machine learning, paradoxically, we need to recognize there's no separate free will and doer. 
we we don't need to recognize it but that is the truth yeah sorry um you're quite right because it's happening anyway yeah uh, it reveals there's a revealing of that it's just that when when everything is whirring around this central me which is really made of all the wounds all the fear all the insecurity everything that creates this fragility of a separate existence of me um when it takes all the energy like takes all the focus it's it's continually projecting out all the the people and the circumstances from the past and then fighting or fleeing from them learning is happening anyway it's just that the the heart you know like 90% of the system is isn't operating in reality it's it's operating really in the past or, or trying to secure a future that doesn't exist and um yeah so the ending of that is is a is an enormous freeing up it's like a full aligning of the system now to just be operating in with actual data yes yeah i think that's a really great distinction is that it is happening because it couldn't not be in a way because we have no free will from, to make it not happen but it's where it's what we're seeing about that and <clears throat> what we, i think we probably use the word resistance and diversion of resources to the wrong place so resistance resistance is is a is a product of a mind that is built out of defending a a a, a fragile sense of existence and self so so resistance and seeking are, are you know as Rupert Sparrow says they're the activities of that fragile ego they they have to happen there's there's no one doing it equally there's no one who chooses not to do that they these th the seeking and the resisting stops as as that um that operation makes no sense there's yeah okay which is part of the learning extravaganza right yes so so can you say like <laughs> learning extravaganza I, I just love that phrase so, I'm gonna that so a, a key feature of the learning extravaganza <laughs> is the the system recognizes that there's, I, I totally get there's no peers recognizing that i mean it might have looked like there is but there isn't really um the the system recognizes that as part of its own extravaganza of learning that becomes it's just gone isn't it it just disappears yeah and and that and that is what people might call awakening or enlightenment whatever phrases you want to put to it right which we don't need to get into the language on that right now but that is part of so that's why you know people will say it's our gift it's everyone's right to see this and you know it's, it's, it's not like it's only certain people can have this because we're all part of the same thing of course we are so it's the recognition it's that being recognized as an activity that, that that's the key so let, let's just now because i want to try and make this just as an example so let, let's take um an example of this happening let's take the workplace so someone's struggling with a relationship at work or, or with a difficult boss or, or something like that and 
of how differently, although the process is the same, how differently that appears mm. from from the two perspectives. Did you, do you want a little go at that? Yes. Okay. So, um, yeah, that's a really nice example. And then there's this lovely quote from Terence Reel, who wrote the book Us. He, he said, there's no such thing as overreaction to something. It's just that what someone's reacting to might not be what's there. So. Nice. I haven't heard that. Yeah. As, yeah. Such a, such a great book as well. Yeah. The, um, so we've got this boss and every time we're in a meeting with them, every time there's, there's something being asked to do, there's this, there's a reaction of fight or flight, really, you know, like there's a severe reaction. There is survival is under threat and it looks completely as though everything the mind is saying in that moment is true. The, the, it looks just real and it looks like it's present time. And what we're suggesting is any moment when the, the experience is one of complete separation, there's me separate here, there's that boss over there exactly as I think they are, that that suffering, that struggle of of survival really is saying, okay, there's something here to be considered. There's some there's something there's the mind is going crazy here. There's ramped up emotion, there's there's fear and shame and insecurity, and all of this is saying this is a play out of the past, really. And so Rather than trying to find solutions within that, as though everything, like, without questioning any of the elements of it, this conversation would say, whenever there's suffering, just allow that suffering in. Mm-hmm. Because, the, because the attempt to, to get away from feelings of insecurity or shame or fear is what's maintaining this situation and basically re-traumatizing the whole system over and over again with every single meeting with the boss. So instead of that, which is chaos and ill health and stress and burnout and all the rest of it, have have those feelings so so that the the body mind becomes this flow space really in in which there is the pure health of whatever sensation is there to be had is had. And at the same time, recognize what is going on in the mind. And this isn't denial at all. This is, this is bringing the whole system back into a space of sanity. And, and really, ultimately, we, ha- we haven't got time to, maybe this is another podcast, but the more and I've got, I've got seven power questions, which we could talk about another time of which bring the mind into this space of source accountability that shows how this boss is a creation of, of this perception right now. And the more, the more accountability there is for the, the perception here, the behaviors here, 
um, the identification here, all of it, that the, the boss isn't, isn't any more a separate entity. The boss is us. There, there is no separation between self and boss. It's, it's obvious they're made of the same conditioning. And from that, and it doesn't mean we don't say to the boss, I'm, you know, you're giving me too much work or I need more money or I don't want to be spoken to like that in a meeting. In fact, all of those are freed up as, as, as the resistance ends. Yeah. Yeah. So I try, I try and put a bow on it. So any suffering that we're having reaction in a way that's appearing is a resistance to the is any resistance is from that self-identified mind and when we lean into that self-identified mind with, with, with a, just a seeing the eye that we've been talking about seeing what we truly are th that, that leaning in allows allows that to come through the system the system comes back into flow and dynamism which is is what it is and in that we still see what the happening right of course we do but it doesn't look like it's a separate boss doesn't look like there's a me that needs to protect and seek doesn't appear like that anymore and mm. instead the response that will appear will be still common sense and like well i'm not doing that or how yes. about that curiosity it will just or, be about the thing it would just, just be about the work or the times or the tone yeah it would just denoise it all let's be pure signal with, with some understanding, some some compassion, maybe some assertiveness if need be, whatever is needed, the learning extravaganza will pump in the system because you know how to go to work, right? So, yes, great. But we have to see that. Well, we have to. Th th there's a seeing, allowing a seeing of that to happen. Um, now, Claire, I'm really um, conscious of your time, and you've just put the beautiful teaser in that you have seven questions that allows this to happen. So. <laughs> You basically got to do a second podcast on this now. <laughs> we have can't to. say that to listeners and then not show them. So we will have to do. <laughs> we'll do that. We will. Yeah. <laughs> Another one. But I want to just thank you for coming on because I think there's so much in what we said mm -hmm. that I find interesting and curious to explore more. So is, is there a final 20 seconds you want to give before you have to shoot off? I, I would say what we've talked about here is is it like really right really this is this is ultimate sanity and and it's and it is the birthright of every body mind to return to that sanity and so yeah i've loved this conversation thank you peers and it, and, and listeners it's sanity with a built-in learning extravaganza remember that <laughs> how much more could you ask for um so, so listen as usual have fun being curious and love to hear your feedback and comments insights everything like that and promise i'll try and persuade claire to come and do a part two to this so <laughs> listeners as usual have fun being curious and catch you next time if you enjoyed listening to this podcast and want to know more check out our website at qualityofmind.biz and also feel free to reach out and leave us a review or a comment until next time have fun being curious.